Well, hey, uh, good evening, everybody. Hope you had a great day at, uh, <laughs> at you today. Uh, it is always great. I have talked to some of you. It's always great to come up here. I am a little bit uh, jealous that some of you come up here like every single year uh, for something like this. So I, I'm, it's really awesome to be with you. I know Sherry would say the same thing. So, hey, if you got a Bible, turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. We're talking about faith. If this is the first time you've been here, uh, if you missed last, last night, we're talking about faith this week and just one aspect of faith. Uh, last night we talked about what a genuine, what a, what a simple but real faith looks like and is based on to have a real faith in Jesus Christ and a real faith in God. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about something that was, it's really good for me. I think Sherry would agree. How can we have a stable faith? You know, a faith that is consistent and strong and stays strong. It doesn't go up and down. Maybe you've experienced in your own life your faith going up and down. I have in mine. Going up and down and up and down. I go, can we just have it be just a stable, consistent faith? And God wants us to have that. Jesus Christ wants us to have a stable, consistent, strong faith in him. How do we have that? How do we get that? I, I often find myself, as I think about my faith, and maybe you've done this too, I keep thinking at times, man, if I just wasn't born at this time period, but if I was just born when Jesus Christ walked on the earth. Have you ever thought about that? Man, if I could have just been there and actually see, seen it, you know, I have to read about it. And then sometimes there's like these doubts that come into my mind, you know, well, you know, I wasn't actually there. I didn't actually see it, you know, like, boy, if I could have just been there with Jesus, if I could have been with Jesus for three years. I don't, I keep thinking, there's no way I would struggle with my faith. I, I would go, I know it's true. Like, I know, I saw it happen. Like, I, I saw everything. You ever thought about that? You ever kind of wish you could just go back in time and be one of those people? And then it hit me. And God showed me, it's, it's crazy that I think about this. Um, if that's true, that I would have an incredibly stronger faith and a more stable and consistent faith if I could have actually experienced Jesus Christ for the three years that he was doing ministry, then it should come to reason that the people who should have the strongest faith in history would have been who? His disciples. After spending three years seeing Jesus being with Jesus, living with Jesus every single day for three years, seeing it all. And yet we know when we read through the Gospels, who are the people who had the weakest faith? The most unstable faith. You know, you're the son of God. I don't even know who he is. I, and it's just like crazy. Like I just think about how, how, how odd it is that, that, he, that it is... It is that these people who did spend the three years with him struggle with their faith more than I do. They had a stronger faith after Jesus left. Think about that. Not during the three years, after it was done. Why is that? I think to myself, what? But they, they had so many experiences, seeing it, touching it, feeling it. Maybe that was actually the problem. 
What if that's actually the problem? In Luke chapter 24, we see something happening that at first I'm going, I'm going, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why Jesus is doing what he's doing here. But let's just read through it here. This is, of course, after Jesus rises from the dead. Not very many people know that he's risen from the dead. In fact, he's hardly shown himself to anybody. And, uh, of course, you know that at, when Jesus went to the cross, his disciples all fled. Uh, Peter did deny he even knew who he was, cried. I mean, he, everybody's just falling apart. And, and then you can imagine how excruciating painful that three days would have been for them. And it's not just the 11. There was more disciples than that. You know there was like 70 disciples. There was more people in the circle, but the 11 was in the inner circle. Um, but all of these people were just crushed. And now it's Sunday morning. They still don't know that Jesus has risen from the dead. And there's a couple of these disciples, not, not, one, not two of the 11, but two of the other, the, the second outside circle. And, and we pick it up in verse 13. You guys there, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. This is Sunday. That very day, two of them, these are two of the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're taking the seven-mile walk to Emmaus from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, all these things that they ex had experienced over the last few days. Horrible experiences now. While they were talking and discussing together, this day, man, what happened? I don't know what's going what ha what, What's happening? What's happening? And it says later on, they were sad. They were despondent. They were crushed with this. But while they were talking and discussing together, this is where it gets interesting. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, can you imagine that? Talking and talking. And then Jesus, you know, just kind of just gets, you know, up there with them and just starts walking and beside them. Jesus himself. And then it says this in verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now there's where I go, why? Why is this? And because of my own warped sense of humor, I'm thinking, oh, he's pranking them. Oh, you know, he's going to trick them or whatever. No, it's not Jesus. This is not what he does. But he did. It's like he morphed his, the way they, they could see him. They could not recognize his face. He, he made it so they, they couldn't recognize him. And you think, why? Let's just keep reading. We're going to find out why. It's not because he's just seeing what he could do or, hey, we're just going to fool them. There is a purpose, a real huge purpose to what Jesus is doing. So they can't, they can't recognize him. So they just think he's some stranger. In verse 17 then he starts talking to him and says, hey, what is the conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? What are you guys talking about? And then they stopped. They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, Cleo, he answers him. Cleopas. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here there these last days? You're the only one around here who doesn't know what we're all talking about? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. 
just a great prophet of God. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, had hoped, they're not hoping this anymore. But there was a time where we hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And they're just saying, but we were wrong. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. These women... This is crazy. This is a really weird thing. These women came. They they said that they actually, you know, went to the tomb and the body wasn't there. And they saw a vision of angels. And these angels told them that Jesus was alive. Some of those who were with us, when they heard that, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. In other words, no body there. But him they did not see. But him they didn't see. So some of our guys went to see what these women were talking about, and they saw what they saw, what the women saw. His body is gone, but they didn't see him. So he's dead. He's gone. And then you're going to find out the rest of this is Jesus has a purpose. And the rest of the time with these two guys, his purpose is that they would believe That he really did rise from the dead. That's his goal. Jesus' goal now is I want to get these two guys. And later on he see with his own disciples. I want to get all of these guys to believe that I rose from the dead. What would have been the easiest, simplest, fastest, most profound way that Jesus would show them and prove to them that he really rose from the dead? Tell me. It's me! Ah! You know, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, I can't believe. Yo, you fooled me. You know, oh, I can't believe that, you know. It really is you. I don't know. Look, the obvious thing that Jesus would do, if his goal is to get them to believe that he rose from the dead, then just show them his face. Just show, now you, you're, you, they haven't recognized you, so let them recognize you. And I think that's what he's going to do. And then I read verse 25. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, the book of Genesis, and all of the prophets, all the way to the very last book of the Old Testament, he he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's start from the beginning. It's about a three-hour walk. And so for the next two to three hours, 
Jesus is going over passage by passage by passage. You see here, this is why he had to go through this. The, the, the chosen one, the one who redeemed Israel, did have to go through. He had to die. He had to be buried. And he, he rose from the dead. The prophets all testify of this. Do you see it? Do you see it? Why are you so foolish not to believe that what the prophets, what this book told you about him? Why do, why do you not believe that? Jesus, why don't you just show them your face? Because, and it hit me, because that was the problem that these guys and all the disciples had, is that their faith was based on experience. What do we see? What do we feel? What do we touch? That's how we're going to believe. We're going to believe if we can experience it. And all of our experiences will tell us what to believe. I mean, just look at it all the way up until now. About how much these guys were in experience. And they, that's all they lived with in the last three years. Now, there was other things thrown in there. But the basis of their faith, all of these guys' faith, the basis of it was experience. I, I, I can't blame them, can you? I mean, just, well, we're seeing it every single day. We're just going to keep seeing what he does, keep seeing what he says, keep seeing everything that he's doing, everything, feeling and touching it and experiencing it. That's what we're going to do. And so these guys were just based on that. And you see this because I think some of us would be scratching our heads going, why didn't you just believe the, why didn't you just believe the women when they told you uh, angels testified that he rose from the dead? Did you, did you catch that? Did they believe because angels said that he rose from the dead? No. Even testimonies of angels wasn't going to convince these guys because that was not an experience. The last thing they said before Jesus started speaking was, you know, they went and they looked and looked, but they didn't see him. If they would have seen him, then they would have believed. And Jesus is going, that's your problem. And it doesn't stop with them. These aren't the only guys. Right after this, they go to the 11, and they tell, like, after they really do realize, we're going to see how they do really realize it's Jesus. They see it's Jesus. They go to the other disciples. These two guys go to the other disciples. I mean, they've been friends for three years. And they say, hey, he rose from the dead. We just saw him. He's on the, he was on the road. We, 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 we were with him and everything else. And do you know what? Do you know how many of those 11 believed them? None. Because they were going, well, we didn't see it. And then the guy who gets the short end of the, the straw, you know, is t doubting Thomas. Because Thomas wasn't there when Jesus did show up. And then, now they're all believing. But who's not there? Thomas. The, the 11, the, the other 10 guys who Thomas was with in the inner circle told him, we saw Jesus. And what did Thomas say? Not unless I see him too. Everything, what can I see, feel, touch, everything, experience, experience, experience. But if it would have been anybody else but Thomas, it just would have been doubting Bartholomew, doubting Peter, doubting James. It just would happen to be Thomas. Because they already proved it with these other two guys coming to him. And they're like, well, we don't believe it until he shows up. 
And Jesus saw this and saw an opportunity to teach them. To show them that a real profound, a real stable faith will never be based on experience. If Jesus would have showed them his face, they would have believed until he left the next time. Because experiences, they are powerful. And we know that. That's why it's tempting. Experiences are powerful. We want to experience it. We, we, some of us may even say, well, I'll believe this if I experience it. Some of us have even decided to follow Jesus Christ because of an experience in our life. Where, where that is very powerful, I'm telling you, it's dangerous. Because we base our faith on experiences. There's a big problem because our faith, it's like an anchor of a boat. It is as strong as what the anchor is, is, is anchored in. Our faith is only as strong as what our faith is based upon. That's the key. And while experiences are powerful and exciting and real, there's three things about experiences that are also true. One is this. They come and what? And they go. They come and they go. And right, actually, right, right here. Experiences last for a while, and they're great. And then maybe you have a memory of an experience, but you can't, you don't experience that thing continually, continually, continually. It's their experiences. The second thing about experiences, they change, don't they? I can have a great experience. Does that mean every experience I'm going to have now is going to be great? No. I can have a really bad experience. They change. And here's the third thing that's probably even worse. Experiences, they can lie. Experiences can lie. Do all experiences lie to you? No. But experiences cannot be counted on to always tell you the truth. Look at these guys. It's, it's exactly how their, their faith is based on experience. So if my, if my faith is based on experience and experiences come and go and change and can lie, then what does my faith do? Comes and goes changes based on lies. I come to wrong conclusions if I have a based on experiences. These guys, they had hoped. They had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. They really believed that for a long time, for that three years, during that whole ministry. Why? Because that's what their experiences were telling them. He's the one that's going to redeem Israel. We're convinced of that. Oh, it's going to be so true. And then that experience left. And then that experience changed. They're crucifying him. That's the experience now. They're putting him in the grave. He is dead and gone. We hoped he was going to redeem Israel, but it is obvious that he's not. My experiences tell me something else now. 
And did that tell them, did their experience tell them the truth? Was it true? No. Their experiences were lying to them. This is what my experience is showing me. Therefore, it must be true. And Jesus was like, so if you just see me right now and I show you my faith, yeah, you'll believe right now, but you're still going to have a faith that's based on something that will come and go, will change, and can lie to you. And I care about you guys. I don't want you to have a faith like that. Jesus is going, I'm leaving. And you guys got to have something that's, you got to have your faith anchored in something that's a lot more stable than that. Because your, your faith is not anchored in something stable. It's anchored in something exciting, but it's not stable. So you've got to anchor yourself in something, something that is totally the opposite of this. And so what does he want them to anchor their faith in? Not many God's word. God, God's word. Thank you. And God's word, right? All you who are so slow to believe your eyes, your feelings, uh, everything that, you know, you're hearing. How slow you are to believe what the prophets have said in beginning from Moses, from Genesis all the way to the end. I'm going to show you what has said in God's word. And anchor your belief that the, that the Messiah has risen from the dead. Anchor your belief that he really is the one to redeem Israel because God's word says it. Whether you are experiencing that or not, God's word says it. Why is that such a more powerful, more stable th thing to put your faith in? Why would my faith be much more stable and, and strong and consistent and reliable because of this? I mean, it's just, we just know this about God's word. What about God's word? Experiences come and go. God's word what? Stays forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will... Never pass away. It's always going to be there. Number two, experiences change. God's word never, never changes. Well, talk about the opposites. God's word, when you read it today, you read it a year from now, it's not going to change. Two years from now, it's not going to change. The truths that we know are the truths that we know. And speaking of truth, God's word will never, never lie. Always the truth. If there's ever a, uh, uh, my experiences screaming to me a truth about God, it is, uh, uh, that's saying something about God, and God's word says that that's not true, but this is true instead, that's when I can know my experience is telling me a lie, because otherwise it is very difficult to see if your experiences are lying to you or not. You have to base it, you have to compare it to, you have to contrast it with something that doesn't ever lie, that doesn't ever change, that never goes away. That's this. He was getting, man, will you guys, I know, you guys got to flip over, you got to go over here now, you got to do this. I know it's been tough, and this is what's been your whole last three, three years, but this is what you have to put your faith in. Otherwise, your faith is still going to keep on going up and down and all over the place. It's this. It's this. 
you guys, if we would all base, anchor our faith in what God's word says, that's the basis, that's the primary, that's the primary, the thing to base our faith in. I'm telling you, our faith will stay consistently. It will not change. And our faith will be based on truth. We will believe the truth in spite of experiences or along with experiences. Let's go on and just see what, what happened. So he says all this stuff, and this is in verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening. The day is now far spent. So after he went through all of God's word about why you know, he is who he is and how why he needed to die and buried, rose from the dead. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. So they're having dinner, and he takes it, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Now he's having, after he explained, hey, this is what you need to believe, that you should be believing all the prophets. Now he lets them see him. And then the next sentence is like, are you kidding me? And he vanished from their sight. It's Jesus! Where, where did he go? And I, again, why did he even do that? Like, why did he like, now I'm going to show you it's me. And they, this is another one of those tests. He's so good. God is so good with us. He really does take us on a journey. And you guys know it's a slow journey at times. We have to learn things over and over again. And these guys probably weren't there quite yet. But, but they got a little taste of it. This is what you need to base your faith on. And then I think that this whole last thing was, now how are you going to respond when you see me and then you don't? Now how are you going to fit this into, an how are you going to fit an experience in this? Because experiences don't, like if I say, hey, let's not base our faith in experience, our experiences don't go away. And they are powerful, aren't they? They're very powerful. How do we put them in perspective? How do we put them in context? And you go, okay, so now, oh, there he is, and, and now he's gone. Now, everything based on experience would be, for about two seconds, we thought he was here again, and we're all good, and now we're not good anymore. Which is sometimes what we see in our own lives. Because some of us do base our faith on a certain experience. I experience this, what a worship thing, I experience this thing, and then the worship thing, and then, and then uh, he's Where this certain thing happens in my life, and it's a great, powerful experience, and then, but then it's gone. How are they going to respond now? Now you see me, now you don't. And I love, I think they were taking the first step into getting a more stable faith. Look what they said. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when we finally saw his face? No. Didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Yes! There, even in that moment, the thing that impacted them the most wasn't finally seeing him physically. 
What was the thing that impacted them the most now? In that moment, the thing that impacted them the most was, whoa, that, that was him, and it was him. Man, did it burn with this when he was just opening up the scriptures and showing us from the scriptures that it was true? Now, we're, we're, we're pretty immature. We still, you know, <laughs> still got a lot of things to learn from weaning off, weaning off of experiences onto something that's more stable. But that wasn't that something else. I love that. And God's going to, Jesus is going to continue to teach the disciples. Later on, you're going to see, Jesus shows up with the 11. He shows up with them. Or the, maybe the, the 10, I think Thomas comes later. He shows up with them. And, you know, he says, hey, you, they think they see a ghost. Even though these two people said he, risen, he is risen from the dead. They're like, no, no, it must be a ghost. Because that's what their experience is telling him. No. And, that, and then he eats something. Oh, you must not be a ghost. Again, experience, experience, experience. They're believing the truth. But then you know what Jesus does with, his, with the other guys too? He explains to them, opens their mind to understand what God's word says about him. And says, do you see that this is all what had to happen? Let me tell you what scripture says. We believe the scripture. When Thomas finally comes, you remember what he says to him. Thomas finally comes and Jesus shows up in front of him. And Thomas says, I, be Thomas says, I believe. And do you remember what Jesus said? You believe because you see me. Blessed are those who never see me and believe. Who never experience, but they believe. That faith is a stable faith. That's a way more blessed faith. So that's, experiences aren't bad. They just need to be put into context. The hard thing about experiences is that sometimes if I have the right kind of experience, my faith shoots up way more than if I based it on this. I'm just telling you the truth. Man, I never had so much. What happened? Because that Mexico trip was just so, I just saw what God did and everything else. This is so incredible. And it pops up because it's just so. But remember, as high as the highs are, there's the equal amount of the lows that the lows are. And God's saying, yeah, it's great, but you know what? You've got to have something stable, consistent, to get you through whatever times there are. Put things into context. So if I have my faith based on this and then I have an experience, I can now look at my experience and put it into perspective. Is this experience actually telling me the truth even? Because if it says something that God's word doesn't say, this experience is actually telling me that God doesn't care about me right now. That's not true. It's telling me something false about God. So I'm going to lay it aside. I don't know everything that's going on, but I know that it's not telling me truth because God's word is telling me the truth that my faith is based on the word of God that will never change and never lie to me. And experiences, I have to admit, experiences can lie to me. It won't tell me the whole truth. On the other hand, maybe I have an experience and it actually coincides with God's word, and I go, man, experiences, you guys, they're like icing on the cake. I love chocolate icing on my cake. A gravy on the meat. But a couple things. I don't have to have the gravy. And I don't have to have the icing. But when I get it, and I put it into context, and I put it in perspective with, along with God's word, and it lines up with it, man, it's a great enhancement, isn't it? It just is. But if it doesn't line up, then I know it's poison gravy. And it's not, it looks like icing, but it's not. And I know sometimes I would like to have this, 
but it's not really good if I have a whole plate of icing and no cake. And just a bucket of gravy is just not, that's not it. It's, it's, it's the supplement. It's always secondary. Remember, our experiences are always secondary, no matter how powerful or even how hard they can be. They're secondary. Keep them in perspective. And then you'll be able to understand and really put in those con- into context those experiences the way that God wants us to. That's what I've learned from this. There's a time that um, we either do one of those, these two things in our lives, and I want to encourage you to do the second thing, but one is this, that we look at our experiences and we determine, after looking at our experiences around us vertically, we determine things about truths about God or about our faith, which again, can lie, might not actually be true. Or, when we put them in the right perspective and context, when experiences happen, we first look at God. We look at the truths about God, and we learned last night these three huge truths about God that will, that will help us believe in Him, and that is He is in control, He knows what's best, and He loves me. I know that about God. Now I'm gonna take these truths that I know about God And now I will filter this experience through those truths and put it in context with those truths. And you will find a faith that is stable and strong and will last. Can I pray for us? God, thanks again for uh, this reminder tonight. What a great passage in Luke. I'm so glad you included that. So glad, God. It is a weird thing. I imagine myself being on that road and with another guy and you showing up and not even knowing it's you. And, but I also imagine how, must have been, how it must have been, as these guys said, their hearts were burning when you explained the scriptures to them and told them, this is why you should believe. Oh, God, thank you for experiences. We do. We thank you for those experiences, especially the ones that are supplements to the truth. But God, that we also want to tell you, as your son tried to teach those first disciples, oh God, would you, would you help us to base our faith, not on experiences, but on your word, even if it takes longer, even if it's a little harder, even if it's more boring, oh God, that we remember that it's better. So God, keep on reminding us of that, that we would go to your word, place our faith in you through the concepts and the truth in your word, and see what our faith does. Thank you, in your name.